Okay, good morning. Uh, so, I have a little bit of a confession here. I had worked on and prepared and written my sermon for today, and it's called Birthing Tove Love. It's still Birthing Tove Love, but um, had a little bit of a like Holy Spirit moment around 6 o'clock this morning, <laughs> which to me isn't a good sign, but you know. But so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I think, change up things a little bit. Um, I still have my message that I would like to share that I feel like are important words that God wants us to hear. Um, but one of the big things that came to mind this morning as uh, when I woke up was this word transition. And I think at Wellspring, at least for the last several years, we kind of started out hearing that word transition because there was so much that was um, happening and changing from leadership to um, you know, our building being put on the market to sell, um, even our church family, the dynamics changing some. And so many of you have also heard me share over the last couple of months that Nathan and I have moved into a new home also, and um, with that it meant Transition, again, packing up, packing up stuff, years of stuff that we accumulated, um, some of it I just left behind, but packing it up, deciding what to purge and what do I want to keep, um, because basically it was a fresh start, you know, beginning again. And while I am, I am just like enjoying, I am enjoying so much being in this new home and um, the delights of baking and having friends over and just coming home to um, a place that I can really call home, it's still a change. It's still transition, right? So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm focused. And I'm, I'm thinking that we as a church, we as a community, we as a world continue to be in transition, right? COVID has us in transition once again, when we thought it was kind of steady, but once again, you know, we're going to be in transition. And um, lots of things happening. So while I'm in transition, I'm also on winter break from my seminary classes that I just started recently. And Pastor Rebecca gave me this, this book for as a Thanksgiving gift, and it's called A Church Called Tove, Forming a Goodness Culture um, by Scott McKnight and Laura Berenger. And so I'm somewhat through it, um, and it piqued my interest when she talked about it, and so she ended up gifting it to me. And so on my stack of books that I must read, it went to the top. And Pastor Dan, your book is now number two on my list, but only because Nathan cockroached mine and started reading it. So. Oh, I don't get it back, I guess, till after he finishes. So um, this word tove, a church called tove, I actually really first became aware of it when I took my uh, first Old Testament seminary class. And our professor was, um, he could speak the language, he reads his Bible, his Hebrew Bible, um, but he would bring up a lot of different Hebrew words, and one of them was tove, and simplified Tov is the Hebrew word that is, it means good. It means good, goodness, beautiful, 
or things working the way that it was created to. Fun fact, the word tov is mentioned over 700 times in scripture. Um, it first appears in Genesis, when God births creation. And specifically, um, I've cited Genesis 1, verses 11 through 12, where it says, Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees, with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produce plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was tov. It was good. And seven times after that, he calls creation tov. And after he is done creating humans, he adds very and says all of creation is very tov, very good. Wouldn't you agree from reading the, um, Genesis 1 that the story of creation is where we see this wondrous progression of God's movement to plant and bear fruit? He plants the seeds of creation, the expanse of darkness and light, sky, land, sea, animals, and finally humans. Tov is a word that expresses God's purposeful goodness in creating life and the potential for his people to be about goodness that results in fruitfulness. We are going to be all about Tov today. And we're going to continue to be all about Tov in the midst of transition. Reverend Dr. Ephraim Smith was our guest preacher last week, and he delivered a powerful word in our Advent series about incarnation igniting liberation in us through Moses' own transformation. And ultimately, Moses did lead the Israelites up to the Promised Land, but he did not get to enter it. And in that progression of God trying to establish and convince Moses that he was a leader and to convince the Israelites of his goodness, God's goodness, Moses asked God to actually show him his glory, God's glory, to which God specifically responds and tells Moses in Exodus 33, verses 18 through 19, I will make my goodness, my tov, pass in front of you, and I will announce my name, Yahweh, the Lord, so you can hear it. And he does just that. God's tov passes right in front of Moses. And so we get God and his goodness associated and intertwined together. Tov is an important concept to understanding God and his purpose, his character, and his unfailing love for us. Now that was a tough time for Moses, right? And the Israelites leaving Egypt 40 years, more often than not being hungry, homeless, and without the quote-unquote comforts that they had been used to under Pharaoh's reign, even though they were enslaved. We've been living with COVID restrictions now for only a couple of years, and we can sort of relate 
to the fatigue from being restricted, can't we? As our world continues to go through some tough times of chaos, not only from COVID, but everything seems to be heightened and intensified. Inflation, mental illness, racial injustices, crime, addictions, politics, and even religion. I had a client in my office this past week tell me that on a form that he was going to fill out about his religious um, preference, that he would have put Christian before, but this pandemic has made him leave it. We've responded to the pandemic by hunkering down at home, masking up, staying away from people. With vaccinations, it was beginning to feel like there might be a light at the end of the tunnel, a long tunnel of darkness. But then there's Delta. Stop. And then we start again. And now there is Omicron. Stop. Well, maybe not stop, but slow down and reassess. Yet I wonder, even before COVID, there has always been fear, uncertainty, loss, poverty, prejudices, sickness, idleness, and turning away from God, even before COVID. Where is God's goodness in times of transition? How do we find light when it seems to have gone out some time ago? Where does love fit at times like these when people seem to be increasingly agitated and impatient and checked out? I want to know because once COVID is more a part of our history, there's still going to be tough times and transitions. The good news is God exists. God's love, his good love, always exists. But just like the Israelites who stopped listening and yielding to God, who became outspoken complainers, just like the restless in our world today who speak out inciting unrest rather than finding a way to come together and listen to one another, to better understand the injustices and the brokenness of our world, just like those who are struggling and hurt by circumstances beyond their control, just like those who are lost and have yet to hear the good news that Jesus offers. It is in the tough times that we all need reminding, me especially, that God is present, constantly at work, inviting us to take care and to be a part of building up his kingdom of goodness and total love. God used the faith and the lives of Mary and Elizabeth to teach and remind us that his purpose, his goodness, and his love are even more present and accessible to us in tough times. So, Today's scripture reading comes from Luke 1, verses 39 through 45. And let's read that if you have your Bible, and I think TJ has it up on the screen for us. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. 
At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good news, right? Mary is pregnant with the Christ child? Wait, what? That's good news for us, but not so for Mary. I mean, she's this unknown, unwed virgin about to marry Joseph. And she's just been informed by an angel named Gabriel that she is favored by God to birth the Son of God. What a blessing, right? And while the different versions of the word say she is puzzled, she is troubled, she is confused, she doesn't reject or disbelieve. Instead, she asks, how can this happen if she's still a virgin? bring into it the fact that she is poor, an unknown young woman from a small town that's insignificant, probably in her own eyes. She doesn't dwell on the ramifications that, of what this is going to have or affect on her upcoming marriage to Joseph, or the shame that she's going to be made to feel by others when they find out. Hearing how God favors her and wants to bless her, she receives this monumental responsibility as a servant and a devoted follower of the Lord, trusting that God's word to her will be. Now, the second big occurrence that happened prior to this passage is that Mary also learns that her cousin Elizabeth, who we just read about, who is married to Zechariah, a priest, is now six months along in her own pregnancy. And both Zechariah and Elizabeth have been described as righteous and blameless, obeying the Lord's commandments. They are also childless and in reality too old to conceive. So how can this be? The news of Elizabeth's pregnancy was so unbelievable to Zechariah that he refused to believe right off the bat that this truth God causing Elizabeth to literally, to, to have a baby, um, was true. And so God silenced him, literally silenced him. Took away his ability to speak until the birth of his son. And his son, by the way, named John, the famous John the Baptist. So how is any of this told love? It's chaos. There's a lot of transition, right, in, in having a child, preparing for a child, Sure, these two women are pregnant, they're related as cousins, but what more do they have in common? Well, Scripture teaches us they do indeed have tov, love. That is something that they have in common. So if tov, love is good, good love, what makes love tov? Okay, if tov, love is good, Love, what makes love tov? 
And so I thought about it, came up with the acronym GOOD, G-O-O-D. And I'm using that today, hoping it's going to make it easier for us to remember what Tov love looks like in a healthy life and a healthy culture. So letter G stands for, anybody want to guess? It's really obvious. Three-letter word. Yes. Letter G stands for God. Where there is good love in its purest Christ-like form, God is there. And I think the answer, God is enough to stand alone, but if you need more, Tov love looks and is expressed as God in us, God with us, God for us. Especially when everything seems like a hot mess. For Mary, the news of her pregnancy, it should have rattled her. I mean, it disrupted everything, set her on a whole new course for her life. And for Elizabeth, what a shocker to conceive at her age. She had probably given up any hope for a child. Both women's lives were changed and shaken completely. But scripture says that when Mary showed up at Elizabeth's home, at the sound of Mary's greeting, it wasn't Elizabeth, but it was Elizabeth's child that leaped within her. And then Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was Elizabeth's child that was born of God's plan, not Elizabeth herself, who responded to Mary's voice and visit right off the bat. The Holy Spirit filled Elizabeth, and she discovers, too, that Mary is pregnant with the Christ child, with God's son. God, through the Holy Spirit, was in Elizabeth and certainly with Elizabeth during her pregnancy. And only God would have selected these two women, the least likely to have such huge responsibility. Yet as unimportant as they may have looked on the outside, these two women who had unwavering faith in God and knew God's heart, having studied and followed his word, it wasn't only the baby doing somersaults in Elizabeth's stomach, alerting us that the Holy Spirit was present, but it was Elizabeth's response to Mary, too, receiving her and showing her love, joy, peace, patience. Sound familiar? Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23 reminds us that the same qualities we see in Elizabeth are the fruit of the Holy Spirit, fruit of God's goodness, one specifically named as goodness. There was lots of God's goodness at work here. God's choice for Mary to birth God's only son, Jesus. Elizabeth, too, becoming pre pregnant against all odds. And she was tasked with something important. She was carrying a child who would pave the way for Jesus' baptism and public proclamation of his ministry. And interestingly, while Elizabeth was aware that she might be talked about by others, right, scandalous, gossip, all that, she had to have been feeling so much joy herself at what was happening. Yet she exercised the fruit of self-control, not shouting out to the world that she was going to have a baby, but really exercising genuine humility in receiving God's blessing. Who knows, perhaps she was thinking of other women like her who were experiencing difficulty having a child. 
Perhaps she simply wanted to be there for Mary, knowing the scandal that would follow after the news got out to her fiancé and the community. Perhaps part of God's goodness was giving her maturity in her years to be a good encourager, a good listener, and a journeyer with Mary. Whatever the reason, we see God's influence on both women, especially in verse 45 where Elizabeth says, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And she gives glory to God and, he, and testifies to his goodness. Moving on, tov love is good. The letter O in the acronym good stands for, there's two words here, one and others, one and others. Before Jesus' birth, God's instruction to his people through Moses was clear. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Tov love extends way back and is just intertwined with the one, our only God. With Jesus' arrival, he reminds us, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment. A second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 26, verses 37 through 39. Tove love also reaches out to others. Mary and Elizabeth were great examples of this. Strong in their faith, strong in their compassion and care. As soon as Mary found out that she was conceiving and giving birth to the Christ child, she set out to see Elizabeth, knowing now that Elizabeth was pregnant. She traveled 80 plus miles, which is about 15 miles short of an entire go around of the island of Oahu. She traveled far to see Elizabeth, to be with her. In fact, scripture tells us once Mary arrived, she stayed with Elizabeth for another three months. So likely till Elizabeth gave birth to her son, John. While God didn't instruct her to go to Elizabeth, it makes sense that Mary would be concerned and excited for Elizabeth and that she would find comfort and encouragement with someone who experienced the same kind of miracle in her life. It made sense that she wanted to help Elizabeth, who was older and further along in her pregnancy. What makes the most sense to me, though, is that both women, by being together, could offer one another encouragement of tov love, God at work at them, God with them, and God for them, when no one else could possibly understand at that moment. Zechariah couldn't talk to Elizabeth, right, because he had been silenced. Joseph had yet to hear the news, and he would have his own stuff to process. That was a lot of news. There was no one else but each other at the moment. And in the midst of being present to each of this, these women, God also provided one another so that they would know the goodness of God's told love and could continue to be a good companion in future times of transition and turmoil. Told love is good. The second O in good stands for openness. Openness emanates from this passage. 
Openness to being responsive, to reaching out to someone in a time of need. Openness and vulnerability to dealing with a most unusual and unsettling situation. Openness to dare to imagine what God could do in this situation. Openness to trust God. Many of you are familiar with Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. This was King Solomon's ask of God, a quest for wisdom in serving God and governing his people, and specifically wanting discernment to know, here's that word again, what is good, tov, and what is evil. God's imparting wisdom to Solomon to know tov from evil required trusting God. And because of Mary and Elizabeth's openness to trust God, Mary could carry out God's plan for her life. The same with Elizabeth. Elizabeth's being open to receiving Mary too, to come alongside and help her, made for a meaningful connection between younger woman and older woman. Can you imagine in the three months that Mary stayed with Elizabeth, what they must have talked about? Yes, the swollenness, the hormone surges, the discomforts of pregnancy, but also to dream and to imagine the moment of giving birth to their child and the life of their child to come. Both mothers, we know, would endure agonizing loss of their sons but for part of their lives in this moment. God also opened up the way for his tov to be part of a mother's prayer and celebration. And we see that as Mary bursts out into song, a canical, I learned that word too, it's a big word, a canical, the Magnificat, glorifying, glorifying God and his greatness. With COVID, I feel like it's gotten harder to open up to others because we have been keeping distance for quite some time now. And God didn't intend for us to be isolated and separate from each other. I can attest that your pastor team has felt a tremendous ache as time has passed. And there are Wellspring friends that we haven't seen for a while and we don't really know if they've stopped coming to church altogether. There is a tremendous sense of loss over what Wellspring was as we endured and continue to endure some big obstacles in our renewal process as a church. There's a stark reality that church is going to look different going forward, even when we are told that we no longer have to wear masks and social distance. And there's that drawn-out fatigue from so many starts and stops, and listening to God to do what is best for the sake of our Wellspring family, and trusting that God will show us the way. And as I serve on our pastor team, I have felt so grateful that many of these concerns, even some of the fears at times that I've been able to share in confidence 
and genuineness and raw truth with Pastor Rebecca. It helps to have someone to journey with and to be open with mutually. While we share these feelings with each other, I wonder, what are you feeling? What about all this change is hard for you? The new reality is that we've um, become a church that is remote, and a lot of our gatherings, we have to get creative. We have to use our imaginations. And I think we've done a phenomenal job of that. We've been able to, to meet in ways that um, have been wonderful. We've had women's gatherings. We have men's gatherings. We have pickleball. We have small groups. We've found ways. And yet there's that reality that something is still missing because we can't be here on Sundays face-to-face. And it's likely that that's going to happen again for a little while. And so Tov is important because it has to be part of a culture that we create in order to survive. We need to have that Tov in our culture. Whatever that looks like, however you use your imagination, I'm sure many of you have some wonderful ideas about how we can still be in connection. But we hear you, and we know that this has been very hard. Very hard. So while I know it's hard to have an attitude of openness, I also can attest, though, that God doesn't need the door to your heart to be wide open for him to work. God can even work with the door being cracked open just a little bit. The question is, will you respond when he calls on you? Are you willing to take the risk to open it more and allow him to work towards more tov love in your life? Which brings me to my final point, the D in good. D stands for delight. Delight. Another word for joy. It is written, Elizabeth gave a glad cry, and she exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you, right, above all women, and your child is blessed. And she said, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. She was delighted. In a moment of turmoil and pain and the unimaginable, God can still provide moments and glimpses of delight in our lives. And this is the case here as Elizabeth proclaims the delight in knowing about the Messiah's arrival, in knowing that her friend is the one to bring this child into the world. What was prophesied for years is to to come is about to happen. In the Old Testament, the prophet Micah foretold of Jesus' birth and reign to come, as well as the injustices of the people of Israel and Judah. And he told of God's heart for restoration for them, reminding them In the midst of turmoil, in verse 7 through 18 of Micah, he delights in mercy and in showing unfailing love. Mercy and unfailing love. Mercy sees the afflicted and the broken. Unfailing love forgives and restores in spite of who we are and what we do. Tov love is God's way 
for us as a body of believers and humble servant leaders to go out into the community and the world to do our best to make a difference and remind people that God's incarnation ignites love, not fear. Tov love starts with each one of us as we examine our hearts and whether we've made room for Tov, for God, the one, and others, for openness and delight. Most times when I reflect on my life, I usually see brokenness and I sometimes feel invisible and inadequate and sometimes even overlooked. That's a true confession. So the thing I have to remind myself of is as much as God wants me and you to delight in him, you know that famous passage, delight in God and he will give you the desires of your heart. As much as God wants us to delight in him, it works both ways. And I want you to hear this, that God delights in each one of us. And people actually experienced that when Jesus came in the flesh to be in the company of people like you and me. God recognizes how untold we can be, which is why Jesus was sent to save us. God's heart and purpose to continue to help us understand and choose into transformation that is more Christ-like, more tov-like. So I ask you, friends, what might be something that God wants to birth in you that is told love? There is something in each of us to give. Because this process of being formed, getting ready, it's a lifelong process as we await Jesus' return. Perhaps you identify more with Mary and you're seeking out something, someone to help you to teach you how to become a better mom, dad, sister, brother, daughter, son. Perhaps you identify more with Elizabeth, waiting and wanting, but not necessarily aware that you are seeking something. What part of good love that was shared today is something you could use more of for Tove love? Where do you see opportunities in your personal life, your church life, your work life, to make more room for Tov life? There are several reflection questions that are part of your sermon notes for today, and I hope, I hope you will take a little bit of time to ponder them this week and make sure as you reflect on the weighty questions that you also spend some time thinking about what in your life is tov today? What does that look like? Moments of quiet with God, a new friend, being able to spend quality time with family, enjoying a new home, being here on Sunday. Whatever that looks like for you, keep inviting God to be in that with you and delight in it. Remember, Tov is about goodness and things working the way that they are supposed to, the way that God intended. When God created, it was good and it was beautiful until humankind made it more about working the way humankind thought it should work. We are sinners. We are influenced. We are broken. We are blind and deaf. We are un 
finished. Yet despite humans past and present failing him so many times, God continues to work to get through to us, to help form us into what he intended from the beginning. Because just as he made all things the way that they should be from the very beginning, to be about the kind of goodness that is designed and desired by God. Ultimately, God's desire is for tov love to be in us, to be a lifestyle, to be a culture, a tov culture. So as we celebrate the Advent season with Jesus' arrival and look forward to his return, the candle of love that was lit today by Clara and Donna. Oh my gosh, wait, let me think. Quarry, see, I'm getting old. <laughs> um, yeah, that was wonderful to see some of our friends from Wellspring um, that some have never seen before because they've just started attending. Jesus came in the flesh, he lived among us, he died for us, he was resurrected, and one day he will return, and that is a promise. In the meantime, we prepare, and we keep doing the work to create a culture wherever we go of tov love, good love. This morning, before um, we close this time, I'm going to actually ask Pastor Rebecca to pray for, um, to come up and pray, um, usually as we finish up our sermon, but I also want to give Pastor Rebecca an opportunity as our renewal pastor to even to share a little bit. I shared some with you today about just what your pastor team is feeling. Um, we ache with you, we ache for you, um, but I want to just give her an opportunity as our renewal pastor to say a few words on that. Thank you, Pastor Cheryl, for that beautiful message. Um, I know that God's tov love is being birthed in us. So that was your first sermon. Now you're going to hear another one. <laughs> you ready for another maybe hour or so? I forgot my watch, so you're kind of in for it. <laughs> but friends, uh, as we were looking at the passage this week, um, I was actually scheduled to preach this week, and as we were looking um, at just at stuff going on, Pastor Cheryl's like, you know, I think I have something birthing in me. And I was like, Take it, do it. And then as we were in staff meeting, I'm like, you know, I think we need to preach from Mary and Elizabeth. And Pastor Cheryl's like, yeah, that's the passage that was birthing in me. I'm like, oh, brilliant. And as we talked about it over this week, we just kept wrestling with this idea of there being these two generations of women. And in real life, Mary was like a teen. We don't know how old Elizabeth was. So there might have been like a generation skip between them, but we're just going to call them two generations. Um, but just this idea that there's, like, young life and there's, like, established life. And how in neither one of them you'd expect there to be a baby. In neither one of them would, would you expect God to be working something new. And here at Wellspring, we have those of you who are new, more new. We have those of you who have been around for a while. And how God has something to be birthed, God's new life, in both of us. Whether you've been attending Wellspring for years and years and you're wondering, what do I do now? Do I just... I, I, I don't, I can't come in person, and do I just sort of fade into the background? No, there's a baby being born in you. God's good life wants to come out somehow. We're not sure what it looks like. And whether you're new, maybe you come and you're already like expectant with promise. You're excited at what God is doing in you. Great, 
let's meet each other. Let's be Mary and Elizabeth. And Pastor Cheryl and I had so many just wonderful conversations this week talking about Mary and Elizabeth and celebrating what God is doing in both of them. I think here in Wellspring, having just the different generations of people, knowing that God is birthing something wonderful in us. And whether you're, uh, whatever your gender is, whatever your generation is, it doesn't matter, because God's good love always finds a way. And right now in the chaos of this moment, we're not just in our, um, in our own town, in our own city, just in the chaos of this global moment, what a wonderful time for God's love to be born in us in a new way. So friends, let's lean into that. This Advent season, this, this week, let's lean into that. And sometimes community building is painful. You know, Mary and Elizabeth, they spent like, what, three months together? And I'm sure at first it was all affirmation and joy. And I'm sure as time went on, they really like wrestled with like, what is it gonna look like for me as like a, a mom who people had thought could never be a mom because I'm too old? Or what is it like for me to be a mom and I'm not married yet? You know, they had lots of things to work out. And you and I in our community, we have things to work out too. And yet how amazing because God is here God's life wants to be born in new ways through us to our world. And that is very good, very tove. So thank you, Pastor Cheryl, for that wonderful message. I affirm you. I affirm the life God has in you and that you're bringing to us as a community. And friends, let's sit with the reflection questions this week if you can. Ask yourself, where does God's life want to be born in me? And worship team, why don't you come up um, and let's pray. Lord, you see each one of us exactly as we are. There is no faking it with you. You see through all our protective layers, through the things we don't even know about ourselves, to our very heart, to our very soul, to the very center and core of who we are. Lord, I thank you that you desire to bring forth your life in us, your good fruit, the gentleness, the patience, the love, perseverance, the hope, the joy, the steadfastness. Lord, we want to be people whose lives radiate that in our world where so much is sadness and chaos and division and hopelessness. Lord, in the anxiety of our times and even in our own souls, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would birth something new, that we would affirm it in each other, and that we would live into the new life you're bringing us into. For us, and for the world. In Jesus' name, amen.